Welcome. I'm so glad you ladies are all here. So have you ever had a dream that was directly influenced by that was directly influenced by something you had seen in the last week or in the last day even. Um, I've had dreams where people show up in my dreams that I haven't seen in years, like 20 years they'll show up. More and more research shows, uh, they, it supports this idea that sleep is a way to process and sort and kind of go through the day's events. One clinical psychologist specializing in this says this, at night, the brain metaphorically swallows, digests, and sifts through information. And just like the gut, eliminates. What the brain keeps becomes a part of who we are. Dreaming, he says, is like the brain's digestive system, which to me is like fascinating and a tiny bit disgusting, too, at the same time. One study found more than 48% of people in our dreams, we recognize them. And then another 38%, we know them by their role. Oh, that's that doctor. That's that bus driver. Because we've seen them before. What we experience and what we see have a great influence over the content of what we're thinking about during the day and the content of our dreams. So our eyes act as a type of gate, what I call the eye gate. And what we let in that gate affects us. Because of this, we have to guard the eye gate. Turn with me to Luke 11, starting in verse 33. This is Jesus talking. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar nor under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see its light. The eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness, if, therefore, your whole body is full of light, with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined, as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. So this is Jesus talking to the crowds. The crowds had been increasing because Jesus had cast out a demon and the Pharisees were all upset about it and challenging him. And so then Jesus is calling out the Pharisees. And so the crowds are increasing. And then Jesus says this, this generation is a wicked generation in verse 29 because they were unrepentant and they were too blind to see Christ for who he was. The lamp, right? So then Jesus goes on in 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in the cellar. He's talking about himself as the lamp. Like, hey, I'm right here. You're looking for all this stuff, but I'm the lamp. I'm right here for you to see. Set out to help people see and cast his light on those who were open to receiving it. Then he shifts his direction a bit and explains that not only is he the lamp, 
but the body has its own lamp, which is the eye. So you might want to buckle up here because I'm going to kind of take this text apart and we're going to get into philosophy and science and history and the Greek. It's like bagels and Bible back to school right now, okay? Without all the peer pressure and maybe some of us bad big hair and uh, no grades and everything. So it's just going to be fun, right? No extra credit or detention or anything like that. Verse 34, the lamp of your body is your eye. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. When it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So there's a couple different ways to look at this text. In one view, a healthy eye or a sick eye is a gauge to your inner darkness or light. If our body is dark, our eye will be darkened to the truth, to really see spiritually. If you think about the Pharisees, they were the whitewashed tombs. They were white on the outside, but dark on the inside, and their eyes couldn't see Jesus for who he was. They couldn't see the truth of who he was. If our body is light, our eye will be morally and spiritually ready to see. Only clear eyesight allows the light to come from the lamp of Jesus and illuminate every part of our lives. And the Pharisees didn't allow this. This view asks the question, is your body inside light and therefore your eye healthy to the truth of who Jesus is? But there's something else I saw when I studied this text. It appears that inner darkness or inner light can also be the consequence of a diseased bad eye or a healthy clear eye. And this is the idea that I'm going to focus on this morning. So I'm going to camp out on verse 34 for the next few minutes because I think in taking it apart and understanding how the Greco-Roman world understood sight and vision, we can better understand how the hearers were being challenged by Jesus and how we can be challenged by Jesus this morning. There were three theories of how vision worked at that time. I found this image of it. I don't feel like that's going to be very helpful. Like, do you see? There's the three theories of vision. Next, you know, that I didn't find that to be very helpful. So I did take some pictures of my own that I'm hoping are going to make it a little more clear for you on what their vision, what they believed, how vision worked. The first theory was called extramission. With extramission, the eye acts upon its object. Light goes out from the eye, right? And the eyes function by allowing the body's light to go out and act upon an object. Plato talked about that there's a fire inside the eye that is pure and within us, which flows out into the world, becomes one with the light of day. And he wrote in the 4th century BC that light emanated from the eye, seizing objects with its rays. That's how we saw. So this is how I see it. Those are peanut butter cookies. So, you know, I've got, do you like my Superman cape? Everything for you guys, honestly. I'll dig through the toy bin for you. So the light is going out from my eyes, and that's how it's going to see those peanut butter cookies. The next theory was intromission. This is where material images flow off of objects and enter the eye. Aristotle advocated for a theory of intromission where the eye receives rays rather than directs them outward. Plato also supported the idea that perceived objects are also emanating a type of material. 
So this is how Aristotle thought it worked. The cookies are emanating a material, and that's how I'm able to see them. So that was another theory for how vision worked. The last one was intromission, extromission, and it sounds like what it is. It's a combination of the two. So in ancient Greek views of sight, seeing involved, this is how they thought it worked, a flow of light out from the eye mingled with the emanating material from the object came together and then went back into your eye, into your body after you've looked at it. Like this. The cookies are emanating, my eyes are looking, they're coming together and then going into my eye and into my body. And that's how they thought sight worked. You took it in. Which I can kind of buy that because honestly, sometimes I feel like I can look at a plate of cookies and the calories at least come in and co-mingle and then just looking at them, they go in and they come into my body and I didn't even like it to enjoy them. It's kind of like that, all right? So this belief extended beyond the borders of Greece that that's how vision worked. It took part of the material of that object and put it inside of you. The idea that the eye is a source of light is found in the Old Testament um, with talk of eyes leaving, uh, uh, eyes leaving, the light of the eyes leaving or the light of the eyes gladdening the heart. One Jewish legend says that when Noah was born, he opened his eyes and it lit up his parents' house. He lighted up the whole house like the sun, and the whole house was very bright. That's the, that's the legend of Noah. The Jews were well acquainted with this theory on eyesight, so they would have made a clear connection between sight and the body. When Jesus is talking about this, they would have made that easy connection. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light, but when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. One of my commentaries said this, the human, interior will, the human interior will be illuminated or not on the basis of the health or disease state of the eye. Now, we want to be illuminated, right? We have conferences called Illuminate. We want to be illuminated inside. So now we're going to geek out on the Greek a little bit. These words for clear and bad, okay? They were used in medical circles, literally, for a healthy eye, for the word healthy, or a diseased eye. But they also have really strong moral connotations. And you know, Luke, that wrote this, was a doctor. They also have really strong moral connotations, and it's thought that these specific words were chosen for that reason. They're a medical term, but they're also used in ethical and moral circumstances. So the word for clear is haplous in the Greek. Simple, sound, single, and clear. In a physical sense, it meant healthy or sound. Used in moral context, it meant sincerity, wholeheartedness, no deviousness, generosity. In classic Greek, it's kind of along the lines of integrity. It came to mean straightness, openness, speaking without hidden meaning. In the Old Testament, this word for clear was clarity with an undivided heart. And in the New Testament, it meant uncomplicated simplicity or purity. So it's really just pure, single, focus, sincere. This word for bad is the word poneros in the Greek. 
bad, of a bad nature or condition. In the physical sense, diseased, even blind. In an ethical sense, evil, wicked, and bad. There's a, a collection of Jewish religious works called the Pseudepigrapha. It was written like 300 B.C. to A.D., around there in that time. And that word is used of people who don't please God or of sexual desire or of the evil eye. This is the context of what these people are hearing Jesus talk about if you have a bad eye. So what does this all mean? Well, if our eye is clear and pure with a single, simple, undivided focus on the lamp, right, on Christ, our whole body will be full of light because he can illumine us. Our eye will be healthy. Our eye will be functioning properly, able to see hope, able to see the work of Jesus in our circumstances and in the world because it's healthy and clear, full of faith and not fear no matter the circumstances, able to discern what is good because our eye is clear. If our eye is bad with a divided focus on darkness, our whole body is full of darkness. Our eye will be sick. Then our light can't shine before men, or at the very least it will be dim, and then we can't really see him clearly to come against our doubts or fears or issues in our lives. We can't see him clearly because our eye is sick. So this tells me that we really need to guard our eye gate and what we're letting in. And I put all those capitals in there because you know I really mean it. That means I really mean it. We need to guard our eye gate, ladies. Because inner darkness and light is a consequence of the health of our eye and what we're letting in. When we guard our eye gate to only allow in those things that are healthy for our souls and edifying to our spirits, our whole body is filled with light that others can see. And we're more receptive to seeing the light of Christ. If you think about what we learned about dreams. So if you're reading scripture, you know, the living word, it's going to get into you. Just like when you see someone and they end up in your dream. Well, if you're spending time in the word, it's getting into you. And it'll, get, it'll affect your thoughts. It'll affect your, affect your waking and your evenings. When we don't guard that gate and we allow darkness in, I believe we kind of give Satan a, almost a legal right to influence us and attack us and come against us. At the very least, we give him lots of material to work with, right? Horror, sex, violence, profanity, everything we let in, he can and will use against us in our dreams or in our waking thoughts as a distraction, anything like that. Just like we talked about dreams. And then he will, he desensitizes you until you no longer see it as bad. And you end up calling a good thing bad. Right? That's when you're just letting the stuff in. Uh, I think I shared this before. I started watching pornography when I was in elementary school. 
um, because a boy around the block found a can full of pictures of naked women and showed it to me. And then the friend, my friend down the street had a cabin in Tahoe, and we'd go there, and her uncle had Playboys everywhere, and they would watch R-rated movies. And there was nine-year-old, you know, tomboy, flat-chested Kim watching way too much of real women doing inappropriate things, and it impacted me. And as a side note, pay attention, parents, with your kids, because my parents knew the family down the street, but they didn't know them, and they didn't know I was being sent off and watching R-rated movies and looking at Playboys. It just wasn't, they didn't know. So we got to be aware of where our kids are. So Satan got his hooks into little nine-year-old Kim, and then I would sneak out in the middle of the night and watch scrambled porn on our giant TV. It was on the ground back then. Um, and scrambled porn, we didn't have Cinemax and HBO because my parents knew that had the shows that had nudity and stuff in it, so we didn't have those in our home. But Star TV, you could watch porn in the middle of the night, but it was scrambled. It would do this if you didn't pay for it. So I would sit up and watch this wavy, jacked-up porn because I was already getting this addiction to lust. Over time, I became desensitized to the perversion that is two actors having sex, two people having sex, watching them, being entertained by them. It didn't seem that bad. So by the time I got into college, I would watch porn and not even flinch. My eyes had become sick and unhealthy and had lost their ability to discern what was good and what was evil. And as a side note here, through repentance and prayer and refusing to watch it, one can be resensitized. God will restore your eyes to perfect health. I haven't watched porn in, gosh, I don't know how many years, but I don't even want any nudity, anything like that in my home because God resensitized my eyes to what was truly good and what was truly not good. And so he can heal that part of you. But I will say there are still consequences because that stuff will still show up in my dreams sometimes. There's still consequences even that are hitting me even today. I let it in my eye gate. I don't want to give Satan anything to work with. I don't want to give him anything that he can throw at me later, right? It's like garbage in, garbage out. If you let garbage in, it's got to go somewhere, and it can come out in your dreams, it can come out in your thoughts, it can come out of your mouth. We have to be sure to guard our eye gate and keep our eyes pure and clear and guard our kids' eye gates. It's our job as their parents. Instagram is full of porn. Musical.ly is full of porn. I mean, it's there. I've seen it myself. So just guard your kids. Be aware of what they're looking at. Be aware of, because, and my son gave me permission to tell you this. He saw porn when he was nine. And it's his whole story to tell. But he said, Mom, I think you should tell them this because I think it will help them. I love him. And he said, it affects your everyday life. He said, I can't read a poem about the leaves falling from the trees, leaving them in their beautiful nakedness without it making me think of that. He's 11. So it just, you can't say, get the nude colored one. It takes him right back there. So he's like, it, what you let in affects your everyday. And that's truth. That's truth. I got this picture of this bouncer. This is who I want on my eye gate, right? This guy, his earlobes are like this big. Look at all his tattoos. And he's like an actual bouncer. He's got the tags. 
You don't, you don't just walk in here. That's who I want on my kid's eye gate and on mine. Like, no, riffraff, stay out. You know, the bouncers only let in the best, right? The top, the, the most, you know, just the best of the best. And that's what I want. I want a Holy Spirit bouncer. Nope, closed. But yes, go ahead, come in. The good things, the things that are good, come in. Verse 35, then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. This word for watch out is like consider. Jesus is urging them, consider this. It's an exhortation. Here the listeners are challenged to examine themselves and ask, am I filled with light or am I filled with darkness? Has my spirit become darkened? That's what he's asking them. Verse 36, if your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, It will be wholly illumined as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. An illuminated body is the result of the exterior light shining in it, the lamp of Jesus, right, with full intensity into every part. And the way to get the light to shine into every part is to have a clear and healthy eye because then the light comes in and can shine in your body. So look at the lamp. And what's the Bible? A lamp into my feet. Look at those things. Let that fill your mind. And let that fill your body and then transform you. Just like Satan uses the garbage against you, the Holy Spirit will use all the scripture and all the good stuff for you. For your benefit. He'll apply it for your benefit. So in this text, we're being urged to keep our eyes on Jesus letting his light transform us, and then becoming his light into a dark world. It encourages us to be singly focused on him and to think on things and look on things that are pleasing to him. Now, I'm telling you, I would not preach this message to an alpha group or a bunch of people that had just come to know the Lord. But I'm speaking it to you ladies because I know a majority of you here are mature believers and wanting to be everything that you can be for the Lord. And that's why I'm getting down into the nitty-gritty of this kind of stuff, all right? Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, talks about how we need to be focused on Jesus with our eyes. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on him. I see Philippians 4.8 as kind of a litmus test for what we allow in our eye gate, okay? Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. These are the things I want you to put your mind on. There's your, there's your like matrix for you to filter all the stuff you're setting your eyes on and see what filters through 
and let some stuff go, but then let that be your matrix that you go, that's what I can have my eyes on. Philippians 4.8. These are the, the, the healthy things versus the diseased things. But if we're being honest, it's really easy to be distracted from those things, right? To all that pure stuff. That sounds all great in Philippians, but the world is throwing at us all sorts of horrific or unbelievable or tantalizing things every day, everywhere we turn, every corner we turn to, that's what the world is throwing at us to draw our focus away from the light and the pure. A few that pertain specifically to our eyes, because I'm talking about our eyes and the vision. Movies, TV shows, even books, because I know we read books with our eyes, but then we can, you can imagine, you have, have you ever read a book and you picture all the characters just so and then it comes out as a movie and they're like, you missed that one. She was totally a brunette in my eyes, you know. So we picture it, right? Um, these things that have graphic sex or just nudity or fear-inducing and breeding horror, dark violence, profanity, this is pretty much what's offered to us on a daily basis, usually in the form of entertainment. I'm going to tell you a story about how what we watch and what is watched in our home can affect the spiritual climate of our home. When I was at going to seminary, I had a roommate named Anya. Um, she was an incredible intercessor. Like, she wanted to pray all the time. No joke. I would pretend I was sleeping. Ju pretend, just so she wouldn't come and ask me to pray again. And I love to pray. But she'd get home from a prayer meeting at like 10.30, and I'm all, <sighs> because she'd be like, come on, let's pray some more. I mean, she could just pray and pray and pray. That's what she did. She was just, she's amazing and very spiritually sensitive. Well, one night I'm doing laundry, and somehow, I can't even tell you how, I got caught up watching this show, was a serial killer rapist. I don't know. It, it must have just hooked me in, right? So I'm folding clothes, and I'm watching this. All I remember is like a trunk of a car. So you, that gives you the idea of kind of what, where the show was going. So I watched the movie while I was folding clothes. Anya was in bed. She did not know I was watching the movie. She had gone to bed. Anya woke up in the night tormented by dreams of a rapist trying to get to us. She couldn't sleep, and as she prayed through it, she felt like God said, there was a strong man of rape over you which that's a biblical term. It's a demonic thing. There's a strong man of rape over you guys. She prayed against it. She rebuked it. How many of you know we can rebuke demons and we can, with authority we have in Jesus? She rebuked it, and all was well after that. That completely changed my view of what comes in my house on the TV. Completely. Because somehow, by I don't think by glancing at it, but entertaining it, I let something in to our apartment. I have a friend who moved into an apartment and every night she would have all these perverse dreams. Couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. Well, when they opened up the little doorway into the attic above her room, there was drugs and pornography all hidden up there from the previous tenant. That spirit was there. Now they cleared it out. I rebuked that spirit in Jesus' name. You are evicted, and it was all clean. We have that power thanks to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But that was affecting her and her dreams. It's real. I can't explain it, but it's real, and I believe it. 
So our eyes are a type of gate, and the screens in our homes are a type of gateway, another type of gateway, right? If you watch horror movies or have CNN live streaming tragedy on your TV for a week, I guarantee you're going ha- to struggle with fear and anxiety, or your kids will, because they are listening. Three days of following the Las Vegas shooting just online, and this was not, I, I, I should not have done this, there was no point, but I watched so many videos and I, I listened to all the shots, and I saw the people running, and I heard the fear and the screams. Well, then I'm sitting in the Livermore Civic Library. What if a shooter comes in? A shooter could come in right now. If a shooter comes in, where do I hide? Where do I go? Oh, my gosh. It's just fear, 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 right? In both really awful horror movies and with fear, your mind starts to go, that can happen to me. That will happen to me, you know, and it just breeds all this fear. Fear is a demonic spirit, and you just don't want to give him more reason to hang out, right? Lust is also a demonic spirit, and will enter your home through pornography. And most of you, luckily, are going to say, well, I don't have an issue with porn, so that's great, which is great. I'm very happy to hear. I believe that most of you do not have an issue with porn. So we tend to define pornography as graphic nudity and sex, right? And today's porn involves violence against women, rape, incest, etc. The biggest searches for porn right now are rape or incest or a stepdad with a daughter, like the searches that they look for. Um, and there's a lot of violence, choking think of women and stuff. Um, that's what's happening. So if that's at porn.com, That's porn. But what about when those things are on HBO? What about when those things are on Netflix, those same things, or in the novel we're reading? Does that make it okay then? I'm going to read a description from a secular website about a popular series right now, and these are reviews by non-believers. The sex is sometimes pornographic, There is gay sex, lesbian sex, incestual sex, violent sex, not appropriate in some scenes even for adults. The next one is, this show has a fantastic plot, interesting characters, but unfortunately can't go five minutes without someone being beheaded, having sex, or cursing. The sex is more graphic and frequent than some softcore porn. The language is such that a sailor would wince, F-U-C-K, C-U-N-T, all that pops up often. The violence is graphic and disturbing. What show is that? Game of Thrones. I've been told it has a great plot, and it's good versus evil. you got to understand, Kim, it's good versus evil on biblical proportions. It's beautifully filmed. And this season, there's not as much sex. And I fast-forward through it. Anyway, so, see? There's not as much sex. That's all good. But is it light? Is it light coming in? Last year, I started watching a show called Handmaid's Tale another Netflix series. It was very intriguing, okay? It's an apocalyptic show, and a lot of the women have been, they are, they, they're rendered infertile, so a lot of the women can't have children. 
And so there's this new leadership that's set up. And if they find a woman that can have a child, they will take her from her family and, and prepare her so that when a leader needs to bear children, she goes to him so she can bear him children. I watched the first three episodes. There was no nudity, but there was bad language, and they would act out having sex. To where I was like, oh my gosh, like they are, they're acting it out, right? And I was thinking, I hope Darren doesn't walk in, my husband. Like, I probably shouldn't be watching this. But it was so intriguing. I was getting hooked into the story of it, especially as like a Bible teacher, scholar person who understands handmaids in the Old Testament with Hagar was a handmaid for Abraham and Sarah. And it's the exact same thing. They took her, gave her to Abraham, made her have sex with Abraham so she could have a baby. Boy, I could justify watching this. Look, it's just played out. Like this is what it would look like in modern times if handmaids were today, right? It was fascinating, but it was not okay for me to watch these actors and actresses having sex, like the sacred thing that God did. Both of those shows are rated something called TVMA, which is mature. This is what the rating says about it. TVMA is commonly applied to television programs featured on certain cable channels and streaming networks for both mainstream and softcore programs. That word softcore is what you think it is. It's talking about softcore pornography. Programs with this rating commonly include coarse language, strong and frequent sexual content, and or extreme violence. I would probably stay away from those. That's just me. You're not going to find light in those shows. Who was here when they talked about pornography during the Playing With Fire series? Which was so good. Give me transparency any day of the week. I love it, right? Andy Madsen said he was watching pornography and his younger brother came in and he covered the TV. Oh no, don't look at this, Tyler. This is bad. This is bad. And then what did he say? Oh, if, it was, if it's bad for him, then I probably shouldn't be watching it, right? If you have to cover your TV, I was like, if Darren comes in, I'm going to be embarrassed that this guy is like thrusting and having sex with this handmaid, like while her arms are being held behind her, that I'm going to feel like I shouldn't be watching this. That's the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of saying, hey, sex is sacred and watching other people participate in it, acting, whatever, being entertained by other people having sex probably is harmful and probably isn't light coming in. Could you imagine Paul like talking to the believers in Ephesus and he finds out they're all going to HBO Coliseum and they're paying a fee to be entertained by watching like simulated sex by actors? We're going to head down to Netflix Coliseum and all cuz that's what they do. That's their theater and they'd all go down and watch people pretend to have sex and pay their monthly fee. Paul would be like eh, no, you know. He would not be okay with that. And I get that it can get, be easy to get hooked on a show. I get it. Do you know how many shows I've had to stop watching that I loved because it crosses a line and I just have to stop? Sometimes, some of you are going to have to get unhooked, right? I stopped watching Handmaid's Tale. It won't kill us to not be in the mainstream, right? 
We're not mainstream girls. We're a narrow road tribe. That's who we are. Mainstream means you go along with what's the most popular in the trend. We're a narrow road tribe. And I'm not here to shame anybody. Hello, watch porn for years, throw the Bible at anyone, but I am going to exhort you along with Jesus. Just watch out that the light in you isn't darkness. Just consider, right? Just beware. If you're watching something and you have to cover up your 8, 10, 12, 14-year-old's ears or eyes because of the content, just consider that maybe you shouldn't be watching it either. I think Brenda Manson said it. She said, uh, we're all still like 10-year-olds. Like age doesn't make it not poison. Age doesn't make it not dark, right? Just ask the Holy Spirit. He's in you. Ask the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about sex and nudity. I want to add with Halloween coming up and like the It movie out and everything, we should be wary of being entertained by the shocking and often disturbing graphic violence of horror films. It is dangerous to our spirits. It really is. It really is. Um, Satan loves fear. He loves fear. He loves to breed it. He loves to be in it. He loves to get us with it. Did you know that research shows that the, re the residual fear and the anxiety from horror movies causes sleeplessness? Children under 14 who watched horror movies ended up having increased chances of developing anxiety conditions later in adulthood. When I was 14, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger. I don't know why my parents let me watch it. I did. And to this day, I have one streetlight on my street. The street at the other end is black. Sometimes I will still picture Freddy Krueger. There are still scenes from that movie in my mind. Right? I wish I hadn't watched it. It's a uh, horror, the dark and the blood and the gore. Darker light. It movie. Darker light. Some kid gets his arm torn off and eaten by some clown, darker light, right? We've got to come back to the text. If your eye is light, your whole body will be light. If your eye is dark, your body will be dark. This is a challenge for you ladies. Even some Halloween decorations. Look at these decorations. No, nope, not that one, the other one. So, darker light, right? That's... The, the one that you can't see on the bottom is a banner. The girl's levitating. There's like bloody people everywhere. Um, this is all, this is all dark. And then look at this one. An entire section of Ouija board stuff. Like a Ouija board dress. Here's a suggestion. Should I wear this dress? No, right? <laughs> Just let me help you out. No. Should I buy anything? You can get a pillow shaped like the little window thing. Just go up. No. Like, I, you don't even need to ask the demon. Ouija boards speak to demons, and they are real. It's not just a game, so don't buy it for your kids. You really speak to demons. It is straight up real and spiritually dangerous. But you can buy a dress of a Ouija board and Ouija board pants and a Ouija board throw pillow. You can just have at it with Ouija boards. Isn't that so fun? It is not. That, that dress, I'm like, really? Just goodbye, you know, whatever. 
I don't have time to go into all this stuff, but it's clear that it's dark, right? So in closing, we have a choice to make. Our eyes function as a gate, and we choose what we let in. We choose what we let in, and we have to be stationed at our eye gate. So I made these so you guys could have a little visual so you can remember this. I found a couple little fairy doors at Michael's. So aren't they adorable? <laughs> do you get it? Or do I look like a dork? <laughs> so this is how I want to view screens in my home. This is how I want to view reading material. This is how I want to go to the movies. Like this. Okay, Kim, you're, are you going to let light in? Or are you going to let dark in? What's it going to be? And be ready to shut these. The weight of them is going to make me sneeze in a minute. Isn't that funny? If you shut these when it's dark and preserve the light that is in you through Jesus' rays, okay? So just remember this mental picture, that we all have this. Our eyes are gates. Our eyes are doorways. And we have the control to open and close them. And I know it's easy to say, oh, but it's just a little bit. It's just a little, it's just a little bit of bad stuff. It's not a lot. It's, it's just a, you know, I don't, I don't even pay attention. I fast forward past it. Well, I made these brownies last night. They smell delicious. They're the milk chocolate ones, okay? And when I was mixing it, I grabbed a really small cat turd from our litter box. It was really small. You can't even see it. I don't even know which brownie it's in, right? <laughs> you can't see it by looking at it. It's a really small amount. There might be a little bit of the litter in there. I'm not sure. I tried to just get poop. But it ruined the whole batch. It ruined the whole batch, just that little bit of cat poop, right? <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must not be even a hint, even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. How many in here are God's holy people? We are God's holy people, right? If there's even a hint, it's too much. All through the Old Testament, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole dough, right? A little bit. By the way, my daughter, Faith, she's eight. When she was like 13 months, I picked her up, and she was drooling something that was brown and smelled sort of nasty, and I got her to open her mouth, and she had a full cat turd in her mouth. Is that the grossest thing? She, I don't tell her I told you because she's embarrassed now. But So clearly you can eat one of these brownies and be just fine. I pulled it out, you know, and oh, I still remember like, what's that smell? <laughs> so why am I telling all of you this? Because I just love taking away your TV time and being a huge wet blanket and raining on your parade and it's super fun for me to give messages like this. I love it. No, I really prefer come to Jesus. He's a shepherd. He loves you. You know, refresh, refresh, refresh. But sometimes God says, do this, and I just have to obey and do this. It's my job as your pastor 
and as your referee to teach you and protect you and get down into the nitty-gritty stuff. That's my job. I love you guys. I do, and I love God. And it's my job to help us all get closer to him and hear him better and see him better, get closer to his Holy Spirit. And I do that by teaching what he tells me to teach. He loves you, and he wants to protect you from the garbage Satan wants to fill you with. You wonder why you're feeling this way, why you struggle with fear, why you struggle with this, why you struggle with lustful dreams. He's like, let me help you. Let's take a look at what you're looking at or what you're taking in. You know, talk to my Holy Spirit. He knows that when your eye is light, his light can shine into every part of your body. And then that light affects your thoughts and your dreams. Sanctification is a process. I think Billy said that last week. And for some of you, this might be your next step. Just shutting the gate on some things. Letting his light illuminate you with its rays. Removing any dark part, right? So that you might be wholly illumined. I have some resources for you. Any movie that you're going to go see in the theater, look it up on kidsinmind.com. This little thing to the right, this is for the movie It. Do you see? There's three gauges, sex and nudity, violence and gore, and profanity. The profanity is almost at a 10. It'll tell you there's 150 F-words. Like it tells you, do you know how many of that is a minute? I don't even want to do the math. Um, it'll tell you what all the sex and nudity is. It will tell you, and because we're children of God, and we're protecting our eye gate, and we're trying to walk as children of God, then we have to look at things like kids in mind and say, should I be seeing that? We have to be doing that for ourselves. There's a lot of sex in there. There's a lot of profanity in there. Read it, and then you're informed before you go and see that movie, um, and you aren't shocked by it. Common Sense Media is another one where you can look and see reviews on it, see what's actually in it. That's where I got the reviews for the Game of Thrones. And then VidAngel is a service where you can watch movies, and Game of Thrones is on there for all you hardcore Game of Throners. They take out the sex and the cussing. They, they, you filter it, and they take it out. I don't know how much would be left of Game of Thrones, but they take it out. <laughs> My husband and I watched The Martian, that movie with, I can't remember his name, Matt Damon on VidAngel. So it took out all the bad stuff, and it was such an awesome movie. So that's another resource um, that you guys can use. I'm going to pray. I want to tell you, I didn't really put cat poop in here, so please take a brownie. <laughs> Look. I just didn't put it in this one. No. <laughs> I don't want them all because, you know, I look and they come in and then all the calories and all that kind of stuff. All right, I'm going to pray, you guys. I'll try to swallow first. Oh, God, I love that you get into just the nitty-gritty of our walk with you, that the sanctification process is something that you're a part of every step and your Holy Spirit is moving through us and looking into every part of our hearts and minds and bringing light and bringing healing and bringing restoration. And we pray, Lord, that where our eyes are diseased, where our eyes are, are, are sick, God, that you would restore healing and you'd bring health and a singleness of vision, God, that we would look to you and look at the things that, that you love, look at the things that are light, look at the things that will bring us closer to you, focus on the word, focus on your virtues, fo focus on your Holy Spirit, God. 
I pray for each and every woman here that, Holy Spirit, you would just be their mentor and walk this out with them. I know some women here are like, yeah, they're, they're feeling it. They already know. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would walk this out with them. It's your, it's you, Holy Spirit, not me. But I pray your blessing on each and every person here. I pray you'd give us wisdom on what we let in our eye gate. Give us discernment on what we let in our eye gate. Be clear with us individually what is okay and what's not okay. And we all want our body to be light. We all want to receive all that you have for us, Jesus, and be a light to everyone that's around us. The world is dark, and we need to be brighter than ever, so help us to do that. I speak your blessing on each and every woman here. Holy Spirit, pour over them. Those that are weary, give them strength. Those that are full of sorrow, I pray for comfort and joy to fill their hearts. Those that are busy, I pray for rest, and I just pray for uh, you to fill them afresh this morning. I just thank you for each and every one here. Amen.